Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos. And I am here with an episode that I'm very intrigued about how it's going to go because it's about something that I've been always aware of, but I've never known quite how it works. And that is press releases. So for that, we have Mickey Kennedy on, who is the president of e-releases. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Mickey. Oh, thanks for having me. All right. Awesome. So yeah, it's really interesting. I feel like press releases are one of those things I've always been like peripherally aware of. As a digital marketer, I don't do too much in the SEO side. I've seen it kind of brought up in those contexts, but also branding and PR for its own sake and that kind of stuff. So just for anyone who's not really familiar with the general concept of a press release, like how would you put that in your own words? Right. So basically a press release is a, an announcement, usually written in the third person, that you're just issuing to the media, hoping that they take it and turn it into a story or article. Press release is not the goal. You don't want the press release duplicated on someone's website because it's just duplicate content. The real goal of it is to have journalists turn it into an original article and write about you. There is a lot of SEO hocus pocus stuff out there about using press releases and getting it syndicated and having the same press release on lots of different websites, but it really doesn't help you. And that really is a distraction. The real goal of it is to get actual earned media, which are these actual articles where a journalist has seen your press release uh, something about it resonated and they've decided to write an article, maybe focusing on the exact same thing you were mentioning, or maybe pulling other things out of the press release and building a story from there. Okay. Gotcha. So if I had to hazard a guess, uh, you know, I guess like how you're writing this press release is probably pretty important to whether a journalist wants to pick it up or not. Right. To a degree. I would, I began 24 years ago this October and my thing was you had to write the perfect press release. And my first book was about how to write this you know, great, powerful press release. And what I realized is there's a lot of really well-written press releases that generate no media attention. And I have sort of come around and recognized that what you choose to announce is much more important. And the, a mediocre and not as well-written press release will do much better if you just pick the right angle and you're announcing something that's very newsworthy. And what that is, you know, what's newsworthy is, is, is the missing thing. That's the thing you have to work on. Okay, that's awesome. And it's kind of interesting too, like coming from the world of direct response, which we deal with a lot kind of over the agency here, it's almost like the difference between copywriting and the offer, right? It's like if the, if the offer sucks, you, you can have the best <laughs> copy in the world. It's not going to sell. That actually raises a question I should ask earlier, which was, Mickey, how the heck did you get into this press release business anyway? Right. So I was uh, graduating with an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis in poetry about 25, 26 years ago. And I just assumed I was going to wait tables and write poetry in the evening. And I spent my first summer after graduating uh, doing that and realizing that I wasn't writing poetry at night. I was exhausted. Being on your feet eight to 12 hours a day is so exhausting. It's terrible in your joints. My feet hurt. And my mind was just, it was beyond exhausted. And so I wasn't reading, I wasn't writing. And I said, 
I need a safe office job. So I applied and was picked up at a telecom research firm. It was a startup, but I was employee number three. And they just said, oh, you have a writing background. You're going to write press releases for us. So I just sort of got thrown into that. So I wrote and faxed out press releases and we had a really good results. We got picked up quite a bit. We published numbers and statistics that no one else had. So I got really good at fleshing out what's an interesting story from this data that we have. And over time, the media would call us and say, hey, you faxed us this story, but there's a lot of numbers and statistics there. Could you just email that to me? And I was like, oh, email, e-releases. And that gave me the idea, mentioned it to my boss. And he said, that could be an interesting business. So I spent about a year just reaching out to journalists and asking them, could I email them stories on their beats? And they all said, yes. Uh, I mean, that was... Uh, almost uh, a little, that was about 25 years ago. So it's changed a bit. Now they're getting a lot of uh, email and they probably wouldn't be as welcoming of, of receiving more. Uh, but there are still a lot of journalists that recognize us and still like receiving press releases from us. Yeah, that's super interesting. And then just kind of like from the perspective of a journalist, and this could be maybe like back in the day and, and what the situation looks like now, like what amount of releases does your average beat journalist have to like sift through on a day-to-day -day basis? I think on average, the number that I hear is like 70 to 110. And that wouldn't be overwhelming or irritating if it wasn't that 70% of them might be off target. It's so easy with databases that are sold out there right now to just take the approach of, Let's just send it to everybody. Or rather than being very narrow and focused on who we announced it to, let's just be more broad. And, you know, if you have a product that's in golf, you just send it to everybody in sports. So you're covering people who only focus on baseball or football, and they're now receiving something off target. And that's what makes it really frustrating for journalists and having to weed through so many different stories. And that's also why the newswire is so important to journalists. They can go and log into PR Newswire or Business Wire or Globe Newswire. Those are the three newswires in the US, PR Newswire being the oldest and largest. And they can actually customize their feed. So if they don't cover certain topics, they can just create exclusions. So keywords can take releases out of the feed and they can include keywords that will put them in the feed. And so it really, it's one of the reasons that the Newswire I think is more important than email You know, over time. And journalists can go in easily review the feed of headlines and determine if there's one that's of interest to them and click through. And for that reason, when you write a press release, your headline is going to be the most important thing that you do, because that is the consideration of whether you get clicked through for them to review your, your, your actual press release. Yeah. Cause I could imagine, right? Like if you're getting the 70 to 110 in between all the writing that you have to do and research and all that stuff, like, you know, I'm, I'm guessing most of those aren't getting open unless it's something that's really good. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay, that's interesting. So, but it's also kind of, you know, it's a lot more than just like a blast out syndication, all these different things too, because it's like, you have the situation, I think you mentioned this earlier, when you guys started getting the feedback from the journalists that you guys have been faxing stuff to, then your reputation as somebody who's developed, uh, delivering relevant information makes them more likely to hang on to whatever headline that you're posting to them, as opposed to Joe Blow down the street who's sending out all the golf stories, right? Right, exactly. Okay. You know, as far as just more stuff on the journalist perspective too, I bet you've read this book though. Trust me, I'm lying by Ryan Holiday. Yes. Okay. So this is the first thing that kind of clued me into it. And for anyone who hasn't read the book, that's, that's reading it. Um, I thought this was really fascinating because, you know, at least at the time of this book being written, just like the pressure that journalists are on to make content is higher than it's ever been. 
So where you might think that you're bothering somebody by sending something like a press release, the right press release that has the right hook could make their day easier, right? Because, you know, what, what are the numbers these days for how much content somebody is expected to put out? Yeah, editors are, and writers and journalists are expected to do more with less. And that's the world we live in. So it's about constantly producing content and getting it out there and making sure that the content is relevant and something that's engaging for what's predominantly become an online audience. So it's more visual. So one of the tricks of a press release is to make sure that you upload uh, two relevant images and they can be candid photos. You know, everybody wants to upload their logo, but, you know, to a couple of really candid shots of someone using your product or even, you know, the product in your office is much better than sort of like professional photo or something that appears as just something that's been paid for through a service. So anything that might be engaging for an online audience to better understand your story is a real plus to them. And if journalists is looking at two stories that have the same factor as far as being turned into a, an article and one has really compelling images, they're going to definitely navigate to that. Okay, that's super interesting. And I guess this is, yeah, probably not like the Getty Images approach. <laughs> no. Okay, so I want to bring this a little bit out to kind of the situation that we have because there's probably a lot of stuff that I'd really like to ask you about in terms of how to make these things compelling. But in terms of what a good, like, you know, what's a, what would be a gangbusters result for somebody putting out a good press release and where could that take a business if someone goes well? Right. I would say a really good results are getting anywhere from two to six articles, actual articles written about you based on that press release. That being said, I do have some strategies that on average, it generates eight to 14 articles. And that is doing a survey or study within your industry. I, I've got several clients that just do this again and again, and they always get media attention. And it's just something that you can easily just replicate and do over time over time. Do a survey and take the temperature on your industry about what's going on today right now. And, you know, we have a lot of supply chain issues. We have a lot of employment issues. There's a lot of things that people are dealing with right now. Are, is the economy, you know, falling apart or not? What's your marketing spend look like? Are you spending less and being more strategic, holding your cash? Or are you spending more trying to, you know, drive more sales? All of that right now, if you were to get those numbers in your industry and publish that, that would be an article or a press release that a journalist could easily turn into an article and it would be very timely. They'd have to, you know, they'd want to do it sooner rather than later. And if you did the survey in six months, it would be completely different results and they would be equally wanting to share that with their, you know, their audience as well. That being said, you know, I've, I've had clients that I've recommended that to who just get really bogged down by the details. And I'm like, it's easy. Create a survey on SurveyMonkey, make it multi-page, you can even do it through Google Forms if you want to, but I like the multi-page that you can do with SurveyMonkey because if someone gives up two-thirds through the survey, you've still captured those results. And it's just the last few questions that you didn't get. I often tell people to try to throw a couple of oddball questions. I usually put them towards the end. And we've sometimes had those be the ones that go viral and uh, generate lots of media attention. Uh, we had an auto repair shop in Pennsylvania who kept saying, we're not an expert. We can't really be sending out a survey to the auto industry. And I'm like, anybody can do this. You're the author of it. That makes you newsworthy just by sending it. And they got picked up in over 20 auto trade publications. And it was the oddball question, what's the strangest thing a customer left in their car while being repaired? <laughs> it wasn't statistically relevant, the results, but people loved the anecdotes and the stories. They just sent the survey out 
to a independent trade association they belong to. And trade associations are a great way to get your survey out there to a lot of people. Stay away from the large trade associations, the smaller and more independent ones, maybe even regional or local or something like that. They don't get a lot of love. So if you just approach them and say, we're doing a survey, I'd love for you to send it to your members. And we'll mention you in the press release, what we'll be issuing over the wire. They just say, wow, this is, you know, a, a marketing opportunity for us. And they see it as a real win-win. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'll say this too, for anyone who's listening to this podcast, you know, you're a lawyer, you belong to a state bar organization. There might be some nationwide organizations that are related to your practice area as well that you might want to consider. And depending on the relationship there, that's good too. But Mickey, I think like two of the things that you point out right there, which I think, you know, kind of a through line in a lot of the stuff that we realize and in, in working with people in these, these, uh, different relationships, wherever you can provide partner, uh, wherever you can provide value to a partner, that's really going to grease the wheel. So when you're doing a situation where you're doing the research on behalf of the journalist, why wouldn't somebody want to do that? If you're just talking about your new, you know, office location, like Dizahood, right? right. <laughs> but uh, okay, that's interesting. And like, as far as kind of where these things are picked up, like, you know, do you ever see these situations? I mean, I think a lot of these trade, these different, uh, like industry publications are fantastic. But have you ever seen clients end up getting picked up on news or people ever parlay that into like a radio appearance or a TV appearance or something like that? Yeah, we've had clients who get picked up on morning shows, talk shows, things like that, you know, even late night shows where, where people appear. If it's an entertaining story or there's something that's just captivating about it, people want to share that with their audience. And it can be on TV, it can be on radio. Uh, we have a lot of authors who get brought onto radio to talk about their book. It seems like a natural place for you know people to discuss. And so it works really well. And so all of those different things can, you know, come together. And sometimes it's an amalgam of, you know, a little bit of TV, a little bit of radio, and maybe newspapers or trade publications or magazines. Yeah. But at the very least, you know, when we're talking about seven to 10 publications, that's probably going to generate something online that's, and again, not to get too weird because <laughs> I only know so much about SEO, but there is definitely an impact to having that kind of a, a footprint as far as where your brand's showing up online, right? Right. So in the case of the local auto repair shop in Pennsylvania, they came to me from an SEO person that I knew, and they were looking for links from auto trade publications because they uh, had a new website. Their old website was tied to the yellow pages. And somehow, I don't know what happened, but their page went dark. And so they had a new website, a new domain name, and nobody could find them in their market. All their competitors came up. And so this SEO guy said, authority links and being in, you're in the auto industry from auto trade publications would definitely boost you. So they got over 20 auto trade publications picking them up. They got numerous newspapers and things like that. Most of them did link directly to them because they had a page dedicated to the survey results and had all the numbers and just a lot of analysis that journalists could go. So they would link to that. And within, I think, 60 to 90 days, they ranked number one uh, with a new domain name and a new website, just from a, you know less than probably 40 links. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, the other thing too, just like, you know, from the SEO people we have had on this, uh, on the show, relevance is king for anything. So if you have a situation where you could get picked up in an industry specific thing, it's like Google takes that into heavy consideration. This is like, you know, it's great to have the headline on, you know, your local Fox or CNN channel for sure. But at the end of the day, the relevance of that is, is not going to be the same as very industry specific stuff. So that's super cool. And I guess like, you know, I guess some, some of the SEO folks would refer to this as, as white hat, <laughs> as far right. as, but those are completely legit links. Like, you know, you've completely earned those and, you know, there's no reason that those are going to go down at any point, which is really cool. Okay. Awesome. So Mickey, I love the strategy so far about the survey. And I think it's, it's kind of interesting too, because 
you know, depending on what kind of law you practice, it can't doesn't necessarily always make for the most exciting fodder for the news. But you know, at least an analysis of that stuff is pretty cool too. But you know, do you have any other tips on helping people think outside of the box in terms of what could maybe be an interesting story or like you know some situations you've worked with with super dry industries, for example? Right. So sometimes being a contrarian in your industry, if everybody is talking about a topic. And they're all saying the same thing. You get the same take on, you know, Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial or something like yeah. that. And you're like, well, I have a different approach. And yeah. you, you want to come across as reasonable and not alienate your client base. But if you can take a contrarian viewpoint, you stand a very high chance that you will get picked up and your quotes will get mentioned in articles about it. Because often there's so many people who just are on the bandwagon of what everybody else is saying. And that's too competitive to be a, an opinion or having a quote getting picked up from that. But if you're the one person that's out there saying something counter to that, a journalist wants to do his job and cover both sides. If you're the only person representing the other side and you know putting out press releases and quotes, then you stand a very high chance of every time an article is written on that subject that you get picked up. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, you're gonna like sack of the deck if you want to be on the, the, the minority. That's pretty cool. And it's also you, you kind of mentioned something too. It's just like, you know, I feel like people used to talk about this a lot more, but I don't think it's diminished in effect in this at all. But this whole concept of like newsjacking, right? So yes. I mean, I guess if you want to be in the news, you have to pretty much be like, can you talk about any other kind of interesting areas that people have done that in? Right. So newsjacking is one of those things that everybody does now. And it's not very effective. So I always steer okay, those people. I steer those people towards the contrarian viewpoint, or let's make it nuanced. So if you want to join a conversation like the Target credit card breach that happened years ago, everybody and their sister who was in security was issuing a press release with their comments about this hack. And I had people who would come to me and say, what do you think? And I said, it's too late. I mean, if you're the first person there, then you might get picked up. But right now, there's just too too many stories. And so we went to the Newswire, we did a search for target breach, and there was literally 300 press releases that people had issued in the last 14 days. Damn. And so that's just too competitive. Again, if you have a contrarian viewpoint or a very specific niche within that. So I had someone and I recommended, well, if you do want to jump on this, pick something very small. And so they picked uh, retail and actually mom and pop retail shops and are you at risk of the same thing as the credit card breach? And here are some tips and resources. They did get a little bit of pickup. I think it was only four articles, but for them, that was a win and they were happy with it. And I felt like if they had just done a standard press release about this saying the same old thing that everybody else is saying with Target, it wouldn't have done anything. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So you definitely need to have an angle on what your opinion is if you're going to chase after the newsjacking strategy. And I'll just throw out a couple ideas here too. So this is like, you know, just for some, some practice areas uh, for people you might be listening to. We always are going to have high profile celebrity divorces. <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> to see how that would work. You know, people are always passing away. I also, yeah, there's, there's some really, really, I'm not going to say hilarious, but certainly interesting celebrity uh, estate um, bungles that are happening. And, you know, if you want to just take an angle on that and see what it would look like if that was happening in your state law, maybe take that and run with it. I don't know. <laughs> That's some kind of things too. Because, and the other thing too, is just, you know, basically with all the locality too, it's, it's kind of interesting because there's also kind of this dimension for legal. So as far as like the, the publications being nationwide versus local, do you recommend people switch their strategy if their service area is, is located to a specific state, for example? Yes. So I say that if you are looking for, you know, people in your local area, then I think that you should 
focus your, your content to them. And I think that local is some of the easiest media attention and contacts that you can develop network yourself. I challenge people in their local city or hometown by telling them there's less than 10 people in your local town that would ever write about you. Find out who they are, send an email, introduce yourself. And as you have newsworthy ideas, pitch them. You don't even have to write a press release. You can just give them a pitch, what you feel is interesting and just constantly stay on their radar. What that may look like, it might be four times a year. It might be six times a year. You don't want to be a thorn in their side, but you do want to provide them with like really good ideas. So if you cover other markets, and I, I recommend this sometimes that you follow these people in your industry, but in a different city, maybe Google alerts or something like that. And if you see an article that got written about someone that's like you in another market talking about a particular topic, you could just go to your local media and say, hey, I'm seeing a trend of people talking about this, and I would love to share some quotes and information about my perspective on this. And so you don't say, hey, I've seen this in another market, you should copy it. But <laughs> yeah. there's a way to do it tastefully, and they see it as an as a opportunity to talk about something that might be relevant for their audience. At the end of the day, a journalist is a gatekeeper, and they're trying to decide what's worthwhile for them to share with their audience that their audience is going to feel good about or find interesting or captivating. And so if you can sort of reverse engineer what you want to announce to satisfy that for the journalist, it's more likely that you'll get through. That's super interesting. And a quick tactical question. What do you think is the best way to find out who's, you know, those 10 people in your city? Right. So I'd say, you know, for most people, it's a local newspaper, might be a regional paper as well, might be a weekly or something that's out there. Pick them up, figure out who writes about your industry or look online if there's an online component and who generally covers your industry. Write down that one or two names, give them a call and ask for their email address. You don't have to necessarily ask for them to be transferred to them. You can just ask what their email address is. If they don't know, they might transfer you. Most of them will give it to you. They're not in the business of being you know, a public journalist and having their hand up and saying, you can't reach me. I'm, uh, you know, I, it, it doesn't work that way. So just ask. Sometimes you can look on Twitter because a lot of journalists like to be on Twitter. That might be an avenue for pitching them as well. But I say just reach out to the people that would cover you. If, if it's radio or TV, there might be segments, uh, spotlight people in your industry on occasion, find out who the producer or booker of that show is. Again, just asking, they'll give it to you, include them in the pitch that you do. And also you might have, you know, other types of media as well that are more specific to you. Maybe your state, uh, you know, bar association might publish stuff and things like that. It's just a matter of being visible to these people. And what happens is as they write articles over time, that may not be on what you pitch them, but they're looking to plug in a company and to get a quote, they will often go to the people that reach out to them on a regular basis because it's just easier for them. Oh yeah, I got an email two weeks ago. What was that guy's name? And he pulls it up and, and contacts you. And that's why I think that in a lot of local markets, you see the same companies again and again being quoted in articles because it's just easier for them to just you know reach out and make a quick phone call and they know that they're going to get a quick response with a great quote. And that's one of the secrets of press release and PR is have amazing quotes 
Don't make it like something that's just a simple summary. You want it that if a journalist ever paraphrased what you said, there would be a loss. So what you say has to either be eloquent or creative or, you know, using a lot of active verbs or just really just thoughtful and concise is, is what works very well. And that's an area that I see a lot of people send quotes through e-releases that are just safe and bland, and they're very unlikely to make a difference. If a journalist was working on a story and they looked at that and it was an amazing quote, you're much more likely for them to say, I'm on the fence about this article, but that's an amazing quote. I can build a story around that. And so many of the quotes aren't like that. Yeah. Well, I'd say it's probably safer to err on the side of being a little more risky. It's not like everyone's like published a story, be like, get a load of this guy. <laughs> you know, right. never, but, you know, a lot of people are going to get passed over for not going, you know, boldly enough. <laughs> right. Okay. So, um, and switching gears a little bit to, to kind of like the, you know, the breakdown of how these things work for your list. So Mickey, so as far as the, the process works with getting an e-release together, Obviously, you guys have the syndication service, but do you help people with the actual formulation of these concepts and writing the headlines and actually writing releases and stuff at this point? Or is it mostly just the, it's mostly the platform? We do offer writing services, but we don't really come up with the strategies. We kind of expect that you're going to come to us knowing what you want it to be about. That being said, I do have a free masterclass of strategies the couple that we've talked about, like the survey and study, and it's completely free. I'm trying to get my customers to be more strategic and your audience can is definitely welcome to check it out. It's less than an hour of video training and it's at ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N. And it's just winning strategies that work. And if you focus on building a PR campaign that is centered on these types of press releases, you will get media attention. Okay, that's awesome. And well, I think it's really great too, because it's like, if this is something that, we're like, I want everyone to kind of take a look for all the listeners, just think about where there are hurdles, right? If this is something that isn't available for other people and you want to be the person who takes that step, that's how you get to the top of the pile. We're going to definitely make sure that we get that course right there in the, in the show notes as well, Mickey, just to make sure people can take advantage of it. But yeah, look, it's not about just pressing the button or spending money and throwing dollars and stuff like that. If you don't have an angle, it's not going to get picked up. But yeah, let's let's get into a little bit more of that tactical stuff. As far as okay, so let's we skirted on this a little bit in the in the beginning, but what makes a good headline in your opinion? I think a good headline has to be concise and easy for the journalist to understand what you're announcing. I see clients come through and they don't understand what a press release headline is. It looks like it's the New York Times or New York Post. It's a pun. Yeah. And I can't tell from that pun what industry you're in, what relevance there is, and Puns and cute headlines are for the journalists to write for end users, readers. Busy journalists who are on deadline and they're streaming through 100 <clears throat> headlines, they're just looking, is this relevant to me? And is there something here that's interesting that I can click through and read more and determine? And so that's really important is it doesn't have to be flowery or over the top. It just has to be concise and specific. Okay, that's, <laughs> I'm laughing too, because you remind me of some of those classic, like, New York Post-like headlines too, but I mean, that's ultimately, it's, the, it's their job to make the fun. Unfortunately, if you want to, if you want to make cute puns, uh, switch careers, stop being a lawyer, become a journalist, leave it to them. Okay, so that's pretty cool. And then as far as like, you know, for, for the clients that you're working with in, in small businesses, is this something you usually see the owner doing or like, who's the best person on your team that you should consider to kind of have this doing if you're going to delegate it with yourself? 
Right. So it really depends on how large you are. I, we work with a lot of solo practitioners who are, it's them. So they're the ones that are doing it. Some of the other ones we've had executive assistants, or maybe they even have like a social media person that also is doing some communication stuff. So I think it really depends on who, how, how, what your size is and what's in your arsenal. If you have someone that's in social media and is a good writer, maybe they would be a natural fit to give them a test and see how they work, you know, being in charge of your PR campaign. But I think at the end of the day, it's just what, what works for you and, you know, what more easily aligns with you. Because what's not going to work well is trying to get people to make big changes in their company or trying to carve someone in there that isn't a, isn't, it requires something new. I, uh, one of the biggest things that I've always said is this is great content when you issue a press release, you should be putting on your website in your newsroom. And I've had so many clients that just never created a newsroom. And they're just like, oh, it's too much trouble. I have to go through a webmaster. I have to do stuff. And I'm like, well, do you have a blog? Do you have a blog? Just post it to your blog. Just post your, your press release to your blog. It's content. It's easily searchable. And it, you know that's better than nothing. So when it comes to who your team is the best fit. It's who is most available and accessible. And sometimes it won't be you because you're wearing too many hats or you're just doing too much. So is there someone else there that you could, you know, let them develop some chops in that respect? Yeah, no, it's interesting too, because it's like, I feel like it's one of those creative things where the difference between a good and great could be 10 times as much, not like, you know, 10% as much. So like, you know, if you can get somebody who's engaged too, I think that's how you kind of get like the juice out of that stuff. Okay. And when it comes down to the actual release itself, so what are we targeting? So, okay. So to recap so far, we've got to make sure that we have a good angle that's newsworthy. We want to you know, avoid any of the flowery languages or the puns, the cute turns of phrase. We got to basically specify what it's about and who it's for. Now, when we get down to this actual press release, how long is this and what should we be kind of shooting for as, as over like the beats? I know you mentioned the two images thing, but as far as the writing, what is that what's right. the usual format? It's usually between 400 and 600 words. That might look at anywhere from three to six paragraphs, depending on how large they are. Sometimes they'll have an about section at the very bottom. It's just boilerplate that you can recycle from time to time. You might put your most important accolades and awards and things like that, recognitions that you have in that boilerplate that you can just have that down there. It gives a good synopsis of, of who you are and what your practice is about. And then you have a, a media contact, including a phone number and maybe an email address as well, just for the media to be able to contact you. Yeah. And as far as when we're structuring this, is this going to be kind of just the facts or should we try to build a story into it? Or like, do we need to worry about drawing in the person who's reading this? Yes. Uh, I say anything that you can do to build an authentic story is going to do well. I mean, you don't necessarily write it from this, you know, an actual Once upon story. A time. <laughs> yes. But you can build case studies in their actual, you know, cases that you've won or things that you've seen. Uh, you know, there is an element of drama and being able to convey that in a press release is really important. You know, at the end of the day, it's often what gets published are little stories and they will write about, you know, even your local newspaper will write about a local company and they often will talk about how they started, what inspired them. You know, it's, it's all the elements of a story. So if you can sort of put some of those things in your press release, it, it allows them to ground it and view it within the lens of a story and makes it a little bit easier for them to make that leap to turning it into an article. Yeah, that's awesome too. And like, you know, I know we've got some people who do litigation and trial attorneys as well. So it's like, you know, whatever you need to do to get your message across there, like that's a skill that you might already have. So consider using that as far as getting stuff together. Right. One of the things at the Newswire is that they don't like people who are shopping class action lawsuits. 
And so oh, the interesting. So one of the things that they do is they say you get one bite of the apple. So you get to do one press release that's just a general press release about this case in order to, to get people. But I have a client who uh, does 30 or 40 press releases on one case. And the thing is, he fills it with resources and information. And, you know, it's a resource. So it's it, every one of them is different, but he just focuses on different aspects. And he views it as I'm providing a lot of resources and real information here. It's basically like a deconstruction of almost a book on this subject matter. And he's, he's showing you the, a little bit of a chapter at a time. And that works very effective for him. And he's never run a, you know, a foul of the newswires, you know, one bite at the apple rule. Yeah, that's really interesting. Do you know, I mean, it sounds like there has to be some history behind that. Did, did somebody pee in the pool for all the <laughs> class action lawsuits to follow once upon a time? I'm assuming so. I mean, <laughs> everything, all of these things come, from the, are, all of these rules come from one one, one person or several people who just, uh, you know, issued the same release for their just shopping clients. And it was like, the, even the, it probably even irritated the journalists saying, we're seeing the same press release here again and again, stop it. And yeah. so in the case of my client, it's never the same press release. And it is a meaningful difference and change. But at the heart of it, it's, you know, contact us for more information. Here's our about section. Here's what we've done for clients and cases and, and you know, things like that. So it, it is still selling and still collecting leads and people like that coming through. Yeah. And just on that topic, are there any other like automatic strikes that people might not know about that they should be avoiding? I think that sometimes talking about an active case creates a problem at the wire. So, you know, generally if a case is over, you certainly get to issue a press release and you know to discuss it and things like that. But sort of like the active cases, the Newswire doesn't really like you know seeing press releases that talk about opinions and things like that about a case that's in in progress. Yeah, there might be some ethical concerns around that too with some bar organizations too. But it's, yeah, it's a little murky. Okay, cool. And no, <laughs> thanks for hearing on that question, Mickey. But um, okay, so that's fantastic. And then just as far as one thing too, I just want for everyone like you know to take a next step. I really like the idea of getting a bit of, of your own syndication together to make sure that you're in tune with all those things. I know you mentioned Google Alerts, but what else do you like? What else could be like an easy way to start seeing what kind of stories other people in your practice area and other states might be doing or, or anything along those lines? Like, what's a good way for people to just get aware of this stuff and take one easy action where they can, you know, get these ideas in their heads if they want to be considering something like this? I think networking with people where you run into other people from different cities or region of the US who are in your industry and talking with them and just say, hey, if you ever see anything on a particular that's working for you, share it with me. And it may not just be PR, it could be all elements of marketing because you know I, I feel like I get my most real marketing juice talking to other marketers. And so mm -hmm. if, if you're you know, talking shop and talking marketing with other practitioners, then you stand a likely chance of determining, hey, this is working for them. This is not working for them. And you can pick and choose, make it applicable to you. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome advice, Big. And then also say for everyone, uh, you know, we're kind of heading into conference season this time of year too. So if you guys have that on, I mean, it's a good opportunity to meet people outside of your 
you know, your local state and stuff. Okay, Mickey, this has been a fantastic breakdown. I super appreciate all of everything from, you know, the background to the, you know, the tactical step-by-step. This has been a real doozy. As far as the next step, so if somebody wants to, you know, take a, a step and do it, I know you mentioned that masterclass, which is fantastic. What's the best way to get in your world? So the website's ereleases.com. All my social media is on the lower right. That's my direct LinkedIn. If you want to talk uh, to someone in the office, review a press release that you're working on, or just you know talk about an idea that you have, you can just call the number that's on the website or do a chat or send an email. We have no salespeople. It's all editors. So uh, there's no quotas or commissions. So we're just there. And if we feel like we can help you, We'll, we're very honest. And if we feel like it's not a good fit or there's a restriction or something like that, we're, you know, we'll, we'll just level with you. And so we work with a lot of people through their first press release and on. And we do believe that there's a lot of value and a lot of leverage that you can get with PR if you do it effectively. And we just want people to stay away from 95% of the press releases that are out there and focus on the 5% that actually are meaningful and make a difference. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, it does seem kind of like a winner take all market. And, you know, I mean, if you guys haven't picked this up for the last 45 minutes or so, there might be a couple of tricks that Nikki's picked up along the way here. All right. Awesome. So, hey, Mickey, thank you so much for this time once again. And then for everybody else, I will see you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.